Hello and welcome to another episode of TOTS. I'm your host, Ben Gardner. Today on the show, we have Mario Ensler. Mario, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Ben. A pleasure and an honor being here with you today. Absolutely, yeah. So you were my finance teacher for a while uh, at Catholic University, but what are you up to right now? Well, uh, after four years at Catholic University, I decided to embark in a new adventure. And now I'm the dean of the Cameron School of Business at the University of St. Thomas in Houston, Texas. And so even though you see me in St. Peter, the truth is I'm in Houston, Texas. And yes, I'm wearing cowboys boots as well. <laughs> That's awesome. So walk me through kind of how you started your career. You have had a very interesting life. Um, where were you born and where did you grow up? Well, I am a Swiss citizen, but I was born and raised in the northern part of Italy. And uh, reason being, my dad, that was a Swiss citizen working for a pharmaceutical company in Switzerland, was transferred in Milano and he met mm -hmm. my mom. My mom, we are in the mid-60s, okay? And then the two of them got married, and I come along, and uh, I was one of four children, but unfortunately, my three brothers passed away. And so I ended up being raised as an only child by a very apprehensive mom. Wow. And uh, uh, learning came very easy to me. I have a photographic memory, and so I was able to summarize hundreds of pages, you know, in, 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 in few minutes. And uh, after I finished graduate school, my dad said that I needed structure in my life. I know, Ben, you don't believe, but I used to be raggedy. <laughs> I used to have long blonde hair. I used to wear a ponytail. I used to All have right. a six pack. I used to have a six pack. Today, I only carry a six pack when I come out. <laughs> of All right. But, uh, so because of that, my dad said to me, you got to become a soldier. You've got to join a army. And I'm using the article, a army, because at that time, I had dual citizenship, Swiss from my dad and Italian being born in Italy. And uh, my dad said, why don't you look into the two uh, officer schools opportunity and see which one attracts you the most and then go for it. And when I looked at that, I saw that the Swiss army track was much shorter than the Italians. And so sure, sure. I said, you know, I don't really need an Italian passport to prove my Italianity. Still today, Ben, I put parsley in my waffles in the morning. Because really? We parsley, yeah, we put parsley everywhere in the Italian cuisine. I'm a, see, I'm a bad Italian because I don't like parsley. You but don't I'm, like I'm parsley? 50% uh, Italian, though. We got to put parsley and oregano everywhere, man. I'm good with oregano. You're good with so, oregano? Okay. So, so you didn't need a passport to prove it, right? You're you obviously need a very Italian, right? <laughs> right. And so when I joined the Swiss Army and when I was up in the Alps, you know, shooting like, like a Rambo, you know, a combination between Schwarzenegger, you know, Commando and Rambo 1, you know, <laughs> when I was in between these two, I, somebody approached me and asked me if I wanted to join the Swiss Guard in Rome. They asked me if I knew what it was. And I said to them, yeah, I know what they are, but no thanks. I don't picture myself dressed up as a clown, standing, <laughs> you know, standing still all day long. No, thank you. I have a girlfriend waiting back for me in Milano. I'm totally fine. No thanks. Yep. But then, Ben, 
that uh, I think it was a lieutenant colonel. That guy basically said to me that if I had joined the Swiss Guard, the first element was acquiring a noble title. And when he said that, because my undergraduate is in classics, when he said that, and he also said it's in Latin, I said, wow, why don't you tell me what it is? I thought I'm going to become a duke or a prince, you know, something like that. <laughs> he, said, he said, defensores libertatis ecclesiae, protectors of the church's freedom. And I thought, wow, that's cool. You can be a bodyguard and then you can also protect the freedom of the church. Wait, who's trying to take the freedom away and why? And so I started thinking about that, Ben. And when I finished my 17 weeks, rather than continuing, you know, paying the dues, okay, right. of, the, of the officer, I applied and uh, I ended up arriving in Rome and spending over there as a soldier, as a bodyguard, 40 months. So three and a half years, just a little bit more than three and a half years. And uh, <clears throat> it was transformative, you know, for me to be there uh, in my mid-twenties and living in Rome, uh, working 100 hours a week, which means I only had 68 hours available to have fun, getting trouble and sleep. And uh, being in the presence of an authentic leader, an entrepreneur, one of the most brilliant minds I have ever met, you know, shape my modus pensandi, definitely shape my modus operandi, my way of thinking, my way of acting. And what I can tell you that I brought away after 40 months, Ben, is that, you know, we are not called to do more but we are called to be more. And that's a totally different, I think, especially to clarify for the people that are listening to us. Anybody can do more, but not everybody can be more. I've been trying to do that for more than half a century now. And uh, what it means to me to be more, Ben, is to rediscover my baptismal charisma remembering that every gift given is not given for ourselves only, but for the good of the church. And so here I am today, after having spent a lot of time into the financial industry, after I left the Swiss Guards, after three and a half years, reason being I met the woman that we have now been married 27 years and have five children. She's American from Chicago. Um, I entered the financial industries. I pursued a career at UBS, and UBS uh, shipped me all over the world. My poor wife and children, we lived in Asia, we lived in the Southeast, uh, we lived in Europe. And then I came to the United States because my father-in-law passed away all of a sudden, and my wife has a brother who's a priest in Denver. And my mother-in-law did not want to leave the United States of America to come to live with us in Switzerland. At that time, we were living in Switzerland. And so my wife, that was 2010, my wife said, I have to go. I tried to keep my job flying Zurich, Boston. We were living in Boston. Wow. Over the weekend. 
That's a tough flight or a couple of flights. That's a lot. That's a big commuting, my friend. And so one day I decided that's it, no more. And uh, we were living in New England and, you know, my entrepreneurial skills kicked in. And the first things I wanted to do was to open a gelateria. I love gelato. Gelato is a poor commodity with one of the highest profitability ever. We are talking for $1 you spend, you make eight. So 800%. Okay. That's crazy. And so I started thinking, preparing my business plan. I wanted to open 10 gelaterie all over New England, mainly Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Connecticut. But then the Lord had a totally different idea. We were homeschooling my children, and few people in our parish started questioning me and my wife, why are your children writing in cursive? Why are your children telling us that are reading all of those books? Why are your children studying Latin? You know, classical education is the way that I was raised, okay? In pursuit of wisdom through truth, beauty, and goodness. Sure. Okay. And so my entrepreneur skills kicked in again. I paused the gelato and my wife and I started a school, a classical education K through 12 school in New England. I did that for six years until when I was called and recruited by Catholic University of America to come as a finance professor. And at first I was very skeptical because I told them I will never forget my interview with the president when I said, I'm not an academic. I understand I have the prerequisites, but I'm a business guy. Right. I am loud. I am loud. And (laughs) for sure, I'm going to get in trouble because some students are going to complain that it makes me feel uncomfortable. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, Ben, right? Well, having having taken your class, just to give a little bit of context, uh, you, you are very loud, just like most of us Italians are. And I think the other thing too is your expressions are are really good. Like I taking your class was fantastic because the way that you drew up your metaphors and your expressions got me really excited about finance, but I'm sure also probably turned some people off because, you know, things are a little different now. People are a little softer. Yeah, very softer and they will tell me, "Why are you yelling at me?" Yelling. Even my wife today, 27 and a half years of marriage, She's saying, don't yell. I'm not yelling. I'm just Italian. That's the way I am. <laughs> but anyway, yep. so and then so when 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 I accepted to come to Catholic University, you know, and they said, no, we actually want somebody like that. We need somebody that's choleric, sanguine, not always phlegmatic, melancholic. We need somebody that will become inspirational for students. And I, that day when I was interacting with the president, I remember telling him that I always believe, Benjamin, that education has to serve the supernatural dignity and destiny of a person. And in order to do that, it has to allow the person to blossom in his or her social dimension. And he told me that That's exactly why he was hoping for me to come on board, because he wanted me to share my passion in my own way, in my own style, trying to keep students awake, obviously. Right, right. And so I did. 
And then you also know that while I was there, God put into my heart the desire of helping clergy. And so I started an MBA for clergy online. And from there, uh, through the faculty, through the help of the faculty of the business school over there, all of these workshops for bishops and for pastors and so on and so forth. And after four years, you know, it happens, you know, uh, you get uh, excited. Somebody says, hey, you know, you have a chance to be more here. And so you pray about it. And obviously this time of hysteria, Ben, you know, my last time in DC was in March. I will never forget, you know, we had the spring break. I went to right. New England. I was up there, maple sugaring and shooting, skit shooting. And then, <laughs> oh, wait, we have to wait to go back one week. Oh, wait, it's Easter now. Oh, wait, it's June now. You know, a mess yep. falling apart. Okay. And while I was there, I got, you know, tapped and uh, I started considering, do I want to do something else? Do I want to move on? What can I do? And so here I am in 15 minutes. I sum up 54 years of my life telling you that today I'm talking to you from Houston here at the Cameron School of Business at the University of St. Thomas and I can tell you that Texas hospitality, it's real. They, yeah. really, they <laughs> really know how to welcome them. <laughs> sure. So it sounds like to me, your life has has been in pursuit of trying to be more instead of just doing more. Is Correct. that accurate? Absolutely. So what to you, like what guiding principles do you have surrounding that in terms of what kind of jobs you'll take? or what opportunities you'll pursue? Well, one of the virtue that I struggle the most with is patience. And I am, as I said a few minutes ago, choleric sanguine, you know? So come on for crying out loud. How come you don't know that answer? It, it, it's right. so <laughs> for instance, okay? And one day I was asked to deliver a package to St. Pope John Paul II. And uh, so I knocked on the door, I went into his office, and he was writing there. And I'm standing there with this binder. A couple of minutes go by, maybe even three minutes. I'm getting very impatient. Okay. And all of a sudden, I decided to clear my throat. <coughs> and when I did that, when I did that, His Holiness looked up. He was obviously surprised to see me because that's not our duties. There are people that do that, okay? Right. But, right. Uh, and so when he looked at, when he saw me, he looked at me and said, Mario, patience is a virtue. And he went back riding and he led me there standing with the <laughs> binder in my hand for another three or four minutes. And so... Patient is the number one. In other words, today you have to be patient because God is always one day ahead of us. So God knows already what's happening to you, Ben, tomorrow. Actually, he already knows what's happening to you one minute from now. Okay? So patient goes with prudence, right? So patience 
and prudence, I call them the double P, okay, are my first two words of wisdom for anybody. They've been helping me in pursuit of being more, being patient, practicing prudence. And then the third one element is magnanimity. Well, I'm trying to be an intellectual right now telling you about virtues, okay? <laughs> right. Patience, prudence, and magnanimity. Why magnanimity? Because as I said before, we all have gifts, right? For some of us is intellectual gift, for some other is financial strength, for some other is intellectual, biological, whatever it is. But we always have to understand that it's not given just for us, but it's been given to us for the good of the church. That's why we have to be magnanimous. We have to learn how to share, how to give. So patience, prudence, and magnanimity today are what I will put in a can of WD-40 so that you can spray it and you can, any squeeze will disappear, any system will work better, and ultimately, ultimately, you learn how to fulfill God's plan for you, which is to be more. Sure. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think, too, for me at least, picking principles that you struggle with to focus on for your life and then those being like your goals at getting better of those, that really gives you some semblance of a purpose. Yes. And so, you know, we have other things that give us purpose like family, faith, uh, work, but deciding to be more and trying to push yourself, especially in the things that you struggle with, that to me is like what life is all about. Correct. The last, I was discussing with some of my colleagues the other day, life is all about love. You know that, right? And uh, I have a love for my wife. I have a love for, ch for children. I have a love for you. That's how it is. And, and uh, when, I was, when I was teaching undergraduate finance, I would always, always start with what's the purpose of finance? And I will always say the correct answer is to help people do what? Three things, save, manage, and raise money, okay? So that's the purpose of finance. And uh, to me, today, we have this fuzzy idea, and you see where I'm going with it, that finance equal money. And when you do finance equal money, that train of thought leads you to finance equal money equal as much money for me as possible <laughs> okay <laughs> right. so that's you know that's how it goes but the truth is we should instead have in our mind and in our heart and i'm just talking about finance because that's my field okay we should say finance equal helping people with their money so if I am authentically living patience, prudence, and magnanimity, if I am working in the financial sector, Ben, and these three are my, the three legs of my stool on top of which I stay as a soldier shining with the torch of my fate without fear, well, people will receive financial guidelines, receive anything that I can give, which means I'm here 
to help you with your own money. And because for me, prudence, patience, and magnanimity are the legs of my stool, I'm going to make sure that they become also yours. Why? Because I love you. You know how many times in the financial world, Ben, you are tempted to walk away from them? How many times the client asks you to cheat, asks you to take advantage of the weak, asks you to do stuff and tells you, don't worry about it, I'll cover. Well, life is not easy. So that's why I always say we have to have a solid prayer life. We have to make sure that every day we take 15 minutes, 20 would be better, but 15, to talk to God in silence, in prayer, so that he can reroute us. You know, I always say that God works like, you know, when we have on Google Maps and we want to go somewhere and the machine says, turn left, and you say, no, I'm going straight, and he keeps rerouting us because we know better, <laughs> all right? So right, I right. think that, at least for me in finance, every single time that I thought I knew better, the mercy of God allowed me to learn from my mistakes and to try and still am to be a better practicing Catholic. Sure. And I think too, it's, you know, for me, obviously like faith is, is a huge part of my life, but for even people who aren't necessarily faithful, taking time to be introspective and to think about the decisions that you're making, is this the right call based on my own set of guiding principles? This is the right call, um, you know, legally, that's that's another important one in finance, but also is this the right call morally? Am I making decisions that are helping people, hurting people, or that are neutral? And, Correct. you know, obviously you you don't want to be neutral in anything. That That's kind of like the rule for, for podcasting, for, for anything that you do. It, it should never be neutral. There should always be some sort of effect and you're hoping for that positive effect. But finance is one of those things where like you're saying, things can get a little tricky. So what to you was like your toughest moment being in the finance industry and having to make a difficult decision? Well, the most successful people in the financial world are disciplined, are very disciplined because discipline is made up of the basic tools, I dare to say, that we use to cope to deal with the life's problems, life's challenges. And basically, if you are not disciplined, you can solve nothing. And I don't remember a specific situation that you're asking, but I can tell you that in many occasions, either being on a G5 at 46,000 feet with a client, okay, or on a 130 feet yacht on the uh, Amalfi Coast, okay, cutting a deal between two clients. If I was not disciplined with my belief, with my behavior, that's when I fell. That's when the devil came and uh, tapped my shoulder and whispered, come on, you don't have to be so rigid, loosen up a little. And it comes, Ben, it comes, it comes. Whenever you are not ready, whenever you think you are in control, whenever you think 
oh, I'm not going to do that. Well, you know, we are made out of flesh and sometimes the devil comes and stirs us away. But to right, me, right. rather than just telling you one simple episode, I can tell you, though, that every single time I reached the bottom, so I fell forward and smashed my nose, I always, always got up on my feet. I always got up on my feet. I did a self-examination of conscience, and I tried to learn from my mistake. And from every successful step that I took, I made a treasure of it. And guess what? I'm still trying right now. Okay? Yeah. So a word of advice to the people that are listening to us today. Yes, you have to expect frustration in life. Yes, you're going to fall down. You're going to smash your nose. Your heart will be broken. Okay? But you have to be patient. You have to be prudent. You have to be organized. You have to be punctual. All of these elements, you know, you have to understand the concept of discipline. You remember, probably you don't because now you graduated, but one of the first things I always told in my class is, guys, you know that if simply you show up to class, 50% of your task is already accomplished. Right. Show up. Just show up. All right. So to me is you will fall down. You will reach the bottom. You will fall into the temptation to be a koala bear sleeping 21 hours a day. Right. But you'll, you'll do well. Take one step at a time. Focus on the truth. Be a person of hope. And always remember that God is one day ahead of you. Yeah. I think that's huge, you know, and, and your comment, especially about showing up, you know, the more that we learn about how the human brain works and getting things done and passion and things like that, showing up is actually half the battle, deciding to take that step and to make that move and, and to, you know, maybe risk something, um, is, is huge, you know, because indecision, I think is, is a huge enemy of productivity it's an enemy of dis, uh, success. It's an enemy of a lot of things in your life. And a lot of people are going to get stuck in that situation where they're complicit and they're complacent with just being neutral and, and things are okay. And I think like you're talking about as well, like being more, you're not going to get there if you're just, you know, doing basically bare minimum, right? And you're just surviving, you're just sleeping, right? You have to be taking risks. You need to be constantly looking inside and saying, what am I making these decisions on? And, and who am I as a person? And I think that's, that's a job that each one of us has to do, but especially like you said, if you want to be a successful person, that's, that's a big part. You of know, it. one of, and I think we are almost running out of time here. One of the things that I always tell my children, I have five children. I always say, Hey dude, Hey do that. Remember that you need to change before you have to change. And this is how I want to leave your uh, people that are listening. Yeah, focus on that. You need to change before you have to change. We all want to change the way that people are acting, right? But why don't we today do a self-examination of conscience and we start doing uh, 
an examination of who we are, what we are doing, how we are doing it, why we are doing it, and that's an that's embarking on the idea of servant leadership, okay? As St. Pope John Paul II told me one of the first time I ever met him, he thanked me, Ben, for going to serve who he served, okay? And so we just have to understand that we have to change before we have to change. All right. Well, yeah. listen, I hope that uh, our conversation is pleasing the people that are uh, listening to us. I wish I had a couple of ETFs to give you so that we can multiply <laughs> the money. Okay. Right. But the market has been very crazy for the past few weeks, went up tremendously. Now a lot of people are taking in the gain and so <laughs> the mark and go down. But yep. as long as you're prudent, as long as you're patient, and as long as you're magnanimous, when you need money, remember, as Mother Teresa once told me, when you need money, ask God. He has plenty of it. There you go. Love it. Thank you, Mario, for coming on. And uh, hopefully we can have you on in the future. Thank you very much. And God bless you, man. God bless. Have a good one. All right. And that is going to do it for our episode today. Thank you so much for listening. Mario Ensler, he's a really cool guy. He's had a great life uh, and he was a fantastic teacher. So I thought you guys would enjoy hearing a little bit about his life and uh, having him on the show. Hopefully we can have him back in the future. If you really enjoyed this episode, let me know. If you hated it, also let me know. Uh, that's the only way that we're going to get better over here at TOTS is uh, your feedback. You can actually send me an email at marketwithben at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought. If you want to listen to some of our other episodes, they can be found a bunch of different places. Uh, pretty much wherever you listen to music or podcasts, we are on. That means Apple, Google, Spotify, all of them. You will find us there. Just look up Tots Podcast. If you want all of our links, that means YouTube, all social media, every single episode we've ever done, and the main website, go to www.solo.to forward slash Tots. If you want to go to our main website where all of our episodes are listed, you can get a little bit more background information, see the show notes, all that good stuff. You can go to www.totspodcast.com. Now, we do have social media. We have YouTube. If you want to find our YouTube, we have started uh, recording all of our episodes for the most part. Uh, if you are listening to this episode instead of watching it on YouTube... What are you doing? You can see my beautiful, well, not beautiful face. You can see my face and uh, my guests' faces. So go check us out on YouTube. You're going to find us at Tots Podcast pretty much everywhere. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, I would really appreciate it. Just look up Tots Cast on you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have all of that. If you would like to financially support the podcast, please, <laughs> it would be a huge help to us over here and the Tots team. Uh, you can find us on Patreon as well at Tots Podcast. We post every single Friday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We have amazing guests. We have some incredible episodes coming up with some organizations that I'm not allowed to talk about, but it's, it's, it's happening. It's huge, and you're going to love it. So please stay tuned. Come here every single Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>